0: This program discusses a disturbing and violent crime. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: It was a brutal slaying, the murder of 12-year-old Shonda Shera.
0: 15-year-old Hope Rippey and Three other girls admitted to torturing 12-year-old Shera.
1: Shera was repeatedly beaten and sodomized for hours. I just can't imagine what she went through.
0: Today, in a Dr. Bill exclusive.
2: People just can't wrap their head around that four teenage girls could do something so evil. A twisted story of jealousy and violence you know what they did to your sister they stab her they smash her face in they beat her head in with a tire iron
3: that's not all they did she was alive when they set her on fire
2: now
0: one of the murderers is out of jail we all know she is here for the first time ever this mother comes face to face with her daughter's killer
4: why
3: why did you do it to her
2: tell us the truth when she was pleading and begging for her life What did you see in her eyes? In Cold Blood, a daughter's brutal murder. The last word she was heard to speak was mommy.
0: One of the most powerful episodes in Dr. Phil history begins right now.
2: It was a story that made international headlines and shook a small community to its core. A murder so disturbing and horrific that books and movies were made filled with chilling details of 12-year-old Shanda Sherer's killing. Her body was discovered charred and burned beyond recognition on the side of the road. Shanda was brutally beaten and tortured for hours before being set on fire alive. But the most shocking development in this case was learning who was behind the plot to murder the innocent girl. They were not who you would imagine your typical cold-blooded killer to be. They were four teenage girls, Lori Tackett, Belinda Loveless, Tony Lawrence, and Hope Rippey.
5: It was a brutal
1: slaying. 12-year-old Shonda Shera was repeatedly beaten and sodomized for hours. They knew exactly what they were doing and they did it over a disgustingly long period of time.
3: Shanda Shera's murder by four teenage girls made national headlines with its brutality.
1: The Shanna Scherer murder was a horrifying crime for Madison, Indiana, and I don't think our community will ever forget.
0: 15-year-old Hope Rippey and three other girls admitted to torturing 12-year-old Scherer and burning her alive. Hope Rippey and Tony Lawrence turned themselves into authorities today Sunday, police arrested 16-year-old Melinda Loveless and Lori Tackett, and charged them with murder.
1: Melinda wanted some particular person killed, and Lori was the one that wanted to kill somebody. I'm not certain it would have happened if it had just been one of them, but the two together, Shanda's fate was doomed.
2: 18-year-old Tackett repeatedly told prosecutors she forgot many things about the night. A
1: lot of times the failure to remember uh, appears to be convenient. I think they deserve to die the way they killed that little girl. They kept Shanda confined in the trunk of a vehicle. They would stop at various times and would torture her. There was also testimony that one of the girls would keep her foot on the gas pedal and rev the engine to subdue the noises that Shanda would make during her torturing.
0: Indiana State Police have confiscated the car of one of the girls. Today, they began examining it for evidence.
1: The 18-year-old Loveless planned the murder of 12-year-old Shanda Shera to punish Sheriff for stealing her lesbian girlfriend. She was burned alive in this field.
2: Her body was drawn up in what's called the pugilistic posture, which is typical of persons that
1: die in fire. They draw up like a boxer. Based on the investigation, after they got Shandis out of the trunk and laid her down here, Hope Riffey poured the gas
2: and uh, Lori Tackett set her on fire. They then went up this road, turned around and came back and saw that the, the body was still visible. So, there was still a little gas left, and Melinda poured the rest of it on Shanda and uh, set her on fire again, and Shanda was still alive at that point.
0: With four teenage girls in custody, there were suddenly more questions than answers. do you doing any Why would they want little Shanda dead? What led them to commit such a heinous, vicious crime and murder the innocent little girl who was the light of her mother Jackie's eye?
3: I kept thinking that um, I wanted my baby back, but I'll never get her back.
2: I want to know about Chanda. Tell me about her.
3: Well, she was delightful. She was, she was happy, and she was a typical little girl. Um, very athletic, you know, in every sport, cheerleading, everything she could be in, she was in. Very tender-hearted. She was one of the type of children that if she just thought she upset you. She would immediately tear up and, you know, she's very, very thoughtful and kind and considerate.
2: Well, just the pictures I've seen, she seems so vibrant.
3: She lived uh, a full 12 years. She really did. That was all she got. But in those 12 years, she lived a very full life. She, she loved life.
2: And I know you were very, very proud of her.
3: Oh, extremely proud of her. She was a wonderful, well, she was a true gift.
0: But that gift was taken away on a January night in 1992 when two strangers came to Shanda's father's house.
2: Some girls come to the door. It was Hope and Tony. Hope right?
3: and Tony. She was there for the weekend. And um, Shanda answered the door. And apparently Steve and Sharon, his wife, were sitting there in the living room. And he heard one of the girls say, Shanda home? And of course, Shanda answered the door. So he knew immediately these girls didn't know Shanda. He couldn't hear what was being said altogether, but he heard a little bit. And from what I understand, when she closed the door, he questioned her about it, a little bit angry at her because he didn't feel she was being honest with him.
2: What we do know is that Melinda had a relationship with another girl, Amanda, and Melinda was very upset that Shanda had had a relationship with her and was out to get Shanda. And so these girls were in cahoots with Melinda. they get her out of the house some way.
3: Yes. After Steve went to bed, they came back. And Melinda is under a blanket in the back seat. And Shanda left her purse and her coat on the kitchen table. She had no intention of leaving. She was going to the end of the driveway. Right. And when she got there, they put her in the car. And Melinda came up from behind and put a knife to her neck.
2: And threatened her yes uh at that point point.
3: Then they took off
2: so off they go these older girls with your 12 year old daughter
3: yes and the thing that i have always thought was just unbelievable was that the only person that evening out of the four girls that knew shanda was melinda Lovelace. the other three girls had never met shanda had no reason to dislike her melinda had told them in the very beginning of the evening that she was going to kill shanda that night and they knew that that's what the evening was going to be and they continued to go with her.
2: You took her to a place called Witch's Castle.
3: It's um, an old house that, I don't know if it burnt down or what, but there's like a stone fireplace that still stands and it is a little creepy looking, you know, in the middle of the night.
2: What do you know about what happened when she was there?
3: They took her there and took off most of her clothes. They took off her jewelry, each one of them put different things on, Um, taunted her. threatened to cut off her hair, told her they were gonna throw her in a a dungeon that was there or something, where there were bones from dead bodies. I can't even imagine how frightened she was. There's just no way for me to even begin to know. Apparently, there were some cars that went by. They said they were afraid somebody would see them, so they decided to leave there.
2: So they then take her to another location.
3: They take Shanda to a place called the Burn Pile. It's behind Lori Tackett's house. From what I understand at this point, they take Shanda out of the car and um, her hands and her feet are tied. She had had braces put on just several weeks before this and Melinda gets in front of her and Shanda's on her knees and Melinda takes her knee and just crams it up in her face several times. So she's, bre- she's bleeding profusely from the face and the mouth. They stab her in her feet the bottom of her feet and in her legs. One point, Lori and Melinda take a rope, it's on her neck, and each of them pull it until she is no longer conscious. They think she's dead.
0: What they didn't know was that Shanda was still clinging to life in the trunk of the car. Shanda's night of torture had just begun.
3: They all then get in the car and they go up to uh, Lori's house and they go in Lori's room. They're talking, but they think Shanda's dead. And then there's a noise and the dog begins to bark. And it's Shanda and she's in the trunk and she's trying to get out. So Lori says, I'll take care of this and she goes out by herself. Lori at one point took a tire iron and she hit Shanda in the head so that she would not make any more noise. They talk and decide that you know they have a real problem here because Shannon's not dead. So they've got to kill her. They've got to do whatever they have to do to make her die. So Hope and Tony say they don't want to go with them. They're tired. They're going to stay and take a nap. And Lori and Melinda leave. Hope and Tony are at the Tackett house for four hours with the Tacketts' parents and did nothing at all.
2: Didn't call authorities. Nope.
3: Tackett's parents came to the door and said, you know, where's Lori? Well, she's just out riding with Melinda. Didn't do a thing. And there were several chances before this for them to have stopped this, any one of them, and they didn't do it. They're gone for four hours. And during this time, Lori wanted to throw her in a creek, and Melinda said no. And they just did all kinds of things to try and kill her. But Shanda would not die. She just would not die. No matter what they did to her, she would not die. And so they go back to the house because it's starting to get light. They tell them, we've got to get rid of her. We've got to do something. Coming up. She was alive when they set her on fire.
0: What could make four young girls want to kill? And later, for the first time, Shanda's mother comes face to face with one of the killers. She is here.
2: You do want to speak to her true?
0: When in cold blood, a daughter's brutal murder continues we now return to In Cold Blood, a daughter's brutal murder. Shanda Sharer was just 12 years old when she was lured from her father's house in the middle of a January night and savagely beaten and tortured by four teenage girls. Three of them had never met Shanda before the night they viciously attacked her. The girls reportedly stabbed her, smashed her in the head with a tire iron and choked her unconscious. But Shanda wouldn't give up she was still clinging to life, trapped in the trunk of the car.
3: Hope says somebody told her that if you want to get rid of a body, you need to burn it. And they, in their immaturity, actually believed if they burned the body and the knife, that it would just totally disintegrate. So they all leave and they go to a gas station and they get a liter bottle of Pepsi and they fill it up with gasoline. While they're at this gas station, Shanda's in that trunk making so much noise that they have to move the car because they don't want the attendant to hear her back there. Now she's been tortured for almost 10 hours at this point with a tire iron, she's been stabbed, she's been strangled, she's been beaten, and she's in the trunk. So they leave there with the gas and they take her to a gravel road and it's uh, like a big field, an empty field very, very close to where they laid her body was very dense forest. Why they laid her right on the side of the road, I, I have no idea. I, I think that kind of shows their immaturity as well, but they laid they wrapped her in a, a blanket of some sort and they laid her on the side of the road and Hope Rippy took the gasoline and poured it on her body and Lori Tackett took a match and knelt down and set her on fire they all got in the car and they left and Melinda looked back and said she's not burning enough and they went back and they set her on fire a second time her cause of death was uh, smoke inhalation because she was alive when they set her on fire
2: how do you feel about knowing these were her last hours
3: I just don't know that I could describe how I feel about it I've always prayed that you know, God took over and kept her safe and didn't let her feel the pain. I feel bad that I couldn't be there and save her and help her. I just can't imagine what she went through.
2: It sounds like she fought so very hard to live. She
3: did. She did. She would have lived through everything had it not been for them setting her on fire. Um I had to know for myself everything that happened and I had the coroner come to the hospital and I had him explain the whole exam to me and um, she had in fact been molested with a blunt instrument and the only blunt instrument that was in that car that night was the tire iron and he said that had they not set her on fire she could have lived, she would have had to have had a colostomy. but. After a time, that could have been reversed. But after everything they did to her, she still would have lived. So, I mean, there were horrible things that happened to her. I mean, unspeakable things.
2: So they sodomized her with a tire iron. They certainly did. Your your baby. They did. I'm so sorry. People just can't wrap their head around that four teenage girls could do something so violent, so evil, so so terrible to someone they don't even know. Every one of them had said
3: at one point or another that there got to be a point in the evening where they didn't ask for help because they knew how much trouble they'd be in. So it wasn't about Shanda anymore. It wasn't about how you could save a child's life. It was about how much trouble they were gonna be in if they had said stop.
2: I understand that the testimony was that the last word she was heard to speak was mommy. We have another daughter. I do. And uh, Paige. Paige. And she's here.
3: She is here.
2: And I'm going to ask her to join us now and um, I know that this has hit her very, very hard.
3: It has. Shanda's sister, Paige, she is uh, seven years older. Than Shanda. She has never really dealt with Shanda's death. I'm angry at those girls
1: because they don't understand what they did to our family. There's nothing natural about burying your child,
3: there's no word to describe what this does to you. To watch that casket go in the ground, there are times I'll look at her picture and it's just, it is like a knife just going through my gut. It's like, God, oh, how she died. And she's really gone. There were so many times that I just didn't wanna live. I cried a lot and I stood in front of the mirror with a handful of pills a lot and tried to talk myself into taking my life.
1: For about two or three months after her death, I literally could not sleep. I was afraid if I shut my eyes, I would see her burning. I did things to take away any kind of pain. I would do whatever it took for the pain to go away. I just miss her. I miss growing up with her and now that I'm older, I miss what we would have had.
3: It always feels fresh. I think because she's remained such a part of my heart and in my life and I'm always gonna be her mother and she's always gonna be my baby. That never ends, that never goes away.
2: I admire you both so much. Since I have studied this situation, it has haunted me every day. Tell me what you say to yourself in your most private moments about this.
1: very closed, I'm a very closed off person. So I just, I, taught, I mean, I talk to her at night and just tell her I love her.
2: Does that help?
1: It does because it's the hardest thing for me is that I feel sometimes that I'm forgetting her because she, it was so long ago and she was so young. And that is what I have a big problem with, is that I don't want to forget her, but as time goes on, you do.
3: wish you had a do-over, don't you?
1: Yeah, I wish I had one more time that I could have just said, I love you. and.
2: You've heard all the testimony?
1: Yes.
2: You know what they did to your sister? Yes. How do you deal with that? What do you? How do you feel about
1: it? I never want to put myself ever understand how anybody could be that evil but it's very hard for me to understand how that could be an exciting night for you how you could get in a car and know that you're going to kill somebody and that be exciting that I'm going to pick other people up and this is what we're gonna do with our evening tonight I just never in a million years understood how
2: we're gonna kill an innocent girl
3: yeah Another thing, too, that I had forgotten that um, right before they left, all four of them, after Hope and Tony had been at the house, when they opened the trunk, Hope Rippy took Windex that was in the trunk and sprayed it all over Shanda's body where she had been stabbed, all of her wounds.
2: And she had been stabbed in the chest, the legs, the feet. And beaten. And beaten and, and sodomized. Yes. And two of them were out of jail.
3: Two of them are out of jail today.
2: One served eight years, one served 15 years. Mm -hmm. How how do you feel about that?
0: Coming up, the disturbing details of what the four teens did after they murdered Shanda.
3: It's horrendous, it's absolutely horrendous. It's, it's, It's just beyond belief.
0: And later, we talk exclusively with one of the killers who is still behind bars.
4: It spiraled out of control.
0: When In Cold Blood, a daughter's brutal murder continues. We now return to In Cold Blood, a daughter's brutal murder. 12-year-old Shanda Sherr was savagely beaten, tortured, and strangled before being set on fire while still alive and left for dead on the side of the road. What the four teenagers did after the brutal slaying still haunts Shanda's family.
2: Did I understand the record right that after they set Shanda on fire not once but twice?
3: They went to McDonald's.
2: They went to McDonald's for breakfast and joked that she looked like the sausages.
3: That's right it's horrendous it's absolutely horrendous it's 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 just beyond belief
2: and two of them are out of jail
3: two of them are out of jail today
2: how how do you feel about that
3: i don't feel good about that i i have tried so hard to deal with shanda's death with a little bit of dignity because i'm shanda's voice now there's nobody left to speak for her and the only thing that i've ever asked is for these girls to serve their sentence and the only one that has is Lori Tackett. She's never once asked for an appeal or asked to get out early, but the others did everything. I mean, Melinda just recently exhausted all her appeals. Hope Rippy went back and back and back until she actually got a judge to completely resentence her and she shaved 15 years off of her sentence. There was only one thing they could do to show their remorse and they couldn't even do that so I don't feel good about that at all. And the reason that Hope Rippy was let out early, apparently, from the testimony that I listened to, and from what the judge said, is that because she was a model prisoner, you're supposed to be a model prisoner when you're in prison. That's what you're supposed to do. It's not like you're supposed to be rewarded for that. She could have at least served her sentence. You know,
1: I I often wonder if One of these days, these girls have children, and they think about someone doing that to their child. I I would hope that they never have children. Well, I know
3: several of them have had children. I know Tony has children. I don't know if Hope has.
2: Well, eight years ago, uh, Lori gave a statement to a crime library reporter who was asking her why someone would kill. Here's what she said. She said, quote, Let's say, for instance, I know a couple of people who kill simply for the fear that they see in their victim's eyes and for the sight of the blood on their bodies. My opinion is they do it to feel superior or high on the victim's fear and they're thirsty for the spill of blood. What do you think about that? Is she talking about herself there?
3: Yes. She testified at at, uh, one of the hearings that she knew it was her destiny. She had always known it was her destiny to murder someone and to spend the rest of her life in prison.
2: Now, you know, we're talking about Lori Tackett. That was her statement, and she's currently serving the remainder of her 60 years uh, at Indiana Women's Prison. Now, in her first interview, she talks about what she says her involvement was the night that Shanda was murdered. Uh, we all look at this with me? Certainly. And then we'll talk about it. Let's take a look.
4: I didn't know Shanda at all. I didn't go into that evening knowing anything was going to happen, wanting anything to happen, expecting. I didn't. Peer pressure. That's all it was. It spiraled out of control way too fast. It's something that should have never happened. If I knew then what I know now, I would have never have been there. I would have stopped everything from happening, and I would have never let Shanda be picked up in the first place. I do want Shanda's mother to know how much I regret my actions and, and what happened. I feel how hard it must be for a mother. Just the pain that I've caused a mother, I mean, is, is painful for me to know that I've, I've done that to someone and that I've hurt lives that, that, that never had to be hurt. I don't feel like I will ever be free from what happened. I live with it every day. It seems like the older I get, the harder it is for me to deal with it. Every January, I relive pretty much what happened and it's, it's just extremely hard. I really don't honestly believe that I will ever be able to move on.
2: What's your reaction to that? Good. Good in what way? That she's suffering?
1: Yes that she'll never be able to move on, and I hope every January breaks her more and more down the odor she gets.
0: Coming up, Hope Rippey speaks out about getting set free.
2: Let's hear why Hope says she deserved her early release from prison.
0: And later, Shanda's family goes face to face with Hope Rippy for the first time, when In Cold Blood, a daughter's brutal murder continues we now return to In Cold Blood, a daughter's brutal murder. 12-year-old Shanda Share was beaten, tortured, and set on fire alive by four teenage girls. Lori Tackett didn't even know the sweet girl with the big smile. Police say she just wanted to kill somebody, but that's not what Lori says.
4: I didn't know Shanda at all. I didn't go into that evening knowing anything was going to happen, wanting anything to happen, expecting I didn't. Peer pressure, that's all it was.
2: I've got to tell you something I don't buy. This, gee, I was just a follower. Gee, this was just peer pressure. That is absolutely unequivocally crap to me. You cannot tell me that these girls were not bought into this and pursuing it with vigor. They had opportunities, they had hours away to step away and say, look, there's a girl that's hurt. We need to save her life. I've made a bad decision. I'm not gonna make it worse, come on. I mean, I, I just, I, I, that's offensive to me. One of the other girls is hope. She came to the door and lured Shanda out. So you talk about premeditation. Mm-hmm. Melinda says on the way over, testimony says, Melinda says on the way over, we're going to kill this girl. So Hope says, I, I'm it. I'll, I'll go to the door. She goes to the door and lures her out, mm-hmm. brings her to the car, puts her in the front seat, closes the door. Melinda pops up with a knife under a blanket, puts it in her throat. That's okay, right. now obviously Hope n- knows this because this is all coordinated, right? Well, yes. It's so bad that, that when they're beating her and taunting her with a knife she takes her mickey mouse watch just exactly right i mean come on
3: melinda Lovelace still has one of shanda's rings that she wears in prison and the prison um, won't give it back
2: and she then, says that she's married and then her. hope admits yes. that she douses her with gas
1: yes and she's out walking the streets
2: she is out walking the street let's hear why hope says she deserved her early release from prison take a look at this
5: even though Shanda's mother didn't want me to be released, I felt like I wanted to give the judge the opportunity to see what I had done. I was sentenced for punishment and I was sentenced for rehabilitation. And I do feel like the rehabilitation took place. It doesn't matter if I'm in prison or out of prison, absolutely nothing could ever, ever fulfill the, the punishment part of for what I did.
3: She should
2: still be there. Yes. And y'all know she is here.
1: Yes.
2: I have not met her yet. I plan to do that. And you want to talk to her. And I, I would if I were you. I mean, I, I totally get that. But you, you do want to speak to her, true?
0: Coming up. In her own words, Hope Rippey gives an eyewitness account of the killing.
5: I was the first person that poured the
0: gasoline on Shanda. When In Cold Blood, A Daughter's Brutal Murder continues.
2: If you would like to purchase a tape or transcripts of your favorite Dr. Phil show, please log on to drphil.com or call 866-4-DR-PHIL. That's 866 437 7445. 866 437 7445.
0: We now return to In Cold Blood, a daughter's brutal murder. Fueled by jealousy and rage after her ex-girlfriend Amanda Heverin turned her attention to Shanda Scherer. Police say Melinda Loveless hatched a plot to murder the 12-year-old. She recruited three other girls who had never met Shanda to help carry out her plan. Hope Rippey was one of those girls and is now out of jail after serving 15 years in prison for Shanda's murder.
2: Hope admits that she douses her with gas? That's
5: exactly right.
2: We spoke to her on tape. Would you like to see the tape?
5: That'd be fun. On January 10th and 11th, I was one of four girls that was involved in the death of Shanda Sher. I didn't know Melinda. I'd only met her once before. That night, she was agitated, and she didn't want Shanda around Amanda, and that's what the whole thing was about. She was going to beat her up. It was going to be Melinda teaching Shanda a lesson to leave Amanda alone. That night, I was the one that was driving us to Shanda's house. Tony and I went up to Shanda's door to ask her if she wanted to come with us. When Melinda came out of the back seat, is when she had the knife with her, and she started threatening Shanda. We drove to the Witch's Castle, and we all went up into the little rock shelter. Melinda was more taunting her, and I was being a bully too. I was laughing at her making remarks about the situation. I bet you're gonna leave Amanda alone now. Laurie wanted to leave because there were cars driving by. We drove right past where Laurie lives to a wooded area and that's where Melinda and Shanda fought. Laurie was goading Melinda on and encouraging her anger. Laurie just wanted to see a fight. I mean, it just was out of control. Melinda was going after Shanda with the knife. And I didn't see her cut Shanda with it or, you know, stab at her or anything like that. But she was holding it up to her, you know, threatening her with it. Melinda or Laurie yelled at me to get out and open the trunk. When I got out of the car, Shanda was unconscious. That's pretty much when I started to freak out. I thought, Melinda and Laurie have definitely crossed the line that... There was no coming back. I drove us to Laurie's house. Tony and I got out, and Melinda and Laurie left. We did not They didn't tell us what they were going to do, so we just went in Laurie's room. And then her dad came in at one point and asked where his daughter was, and we said that she was with Melinda. I never told him that Shanda was with them. I didn't say anything about her being with us at all. I was scared to say anything because I didn't know what was happening. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to stop it. I know that it's selfish and I know that it's wrong, but I didn't want to make them angry with us. I just didn't know. I don't know exactly what time it was when they left, but it was daytime when they came back. So it was hours. We just laid there and went to sleep. When Melinda and Laurie came back to the house, they told us that they had killed Shanda. When Shanda was in the trunk, she had blood on her face, on her body, her hair. I mean, she was tortured. She was beaten badly. We kind of figured that she was dead. It just was decided that we were gonna burn her body to get rid of it. We drove to the gas station. We purchased a two liter of Coke. The Coke was poured out and gasoline was put in the two liter. We drove to, uh, out into the country. We all thought that it was nowhere. We were stupid. We didn't think there would be anything there for anybody to find. We were dumb. It's not like we knew what we were doing. Laurie opened the trunk and Shanda was in there. And Laurie kept yelling at us to help her. And Tony was like, I'm not getting back out of the car. And I said, I didn't want to help her. I was like, I'm not going to help you. And Laurie yelled at me to get the two-liter out. So I grabbed the two-liter and I went to hand it to her. And she was like, no, just pour it on her. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And she said, just do it. Just pour just pour it on her. So I did. I was the first person that poured the gasoline on Shanda. And I don't know who lit the fire. It was either Laurie or Melinda. And then they came and got in a car. And we drove away. And then we did drive back because Melinda was worried that the fire would go out. So Melinda got out and poured the rest of the gasoline on her. And the bottle and then got back in the car and we left you know something to start out all like fun and games and it's just gonna be you know a rowdy night and turn into something so incredibly beyond anything that you think you could ever be around I just didn't know that it was going to end up the way that it ended up and saying that i can't even say that i still would have done anything differently because i just didn't i don't know what i could have done
0: coming up confronting a killer for the first time jackie and paige come face to face with hope rippy
5: why did you do it to her
0: when in cold blood a daughter's brutal murder continues
5: What I did was I was there. I didn't stop it. I didn't do anything to stop what was happening. And I am the one that went up to her house. I am the one that asked her to come out. And when we went back to the house, I went up there with Laurie. And I am the one that drove the car. And I am the one that initially poured the gasoline on her. And I know that my actions ultimately resulted in Shanda dying. I do believe that I could have saved Shanda's life if I had said at any point that what was happening was wrong.
2: you think about what she had to say?
5: I believe in that man above and he has a plan and he will
1: take care of all four of them girls. And he has taken care of me and my mom to get us through every single day. But they should have at least served their time. We have to serve our time. We don't get to see Shanda. Like she said, whether I'm in prison or I'm out of prison, I'm still being punished. Well, we don't get to see Shanda anymore. She's six feet underground. That's where we had to put her.
2: Save that, because I want you to say that to her. I, I do. You want to be here for this.
1: Do you want me to be here with you? I don't want you to do
4: anything you don't want to do. I'm not going to lie right here herself. I'm stuck to here. I just pray I can be dignified.
0: I never want to make, I never want to shame Shanda's name.
2: I understand. I'm going to keep this safe. I'm going to keep this in control and have an honest and candid conversation. But now, look at me here. Forget about these cameras. Forget about the moment. I want you to do what feels right in your heart. There is no pressure here. None whatsoever. It's, it's, it's for you to do what feels right. I'll stay with Paige. What would Shanda say if she could? And she was here. What would she What would she ask these girls? What would she say to them?
3: Why? Wow. Just why? Wow.
2: Maybe the two of you can be her voice. But I, I don't want you to do this if, if you don't want to do it. But if you want to speak for Shanda, then I want you to I want you to do that. And if you don't want to say anything, don't. Okay? Mm-hmm. I got you 100%. If any time you want it stopped, you just tell me. It's, 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 it's stopped. It's done. Okay. This is about you. It's not about her. Are you sure you're okay? Yeah. She can come out now.
0: Stay tuned for scenes from Monday's dramatic conclusion.
2: A mother comes face to face with her daughter's killer. Today's show is almost over, but you can always go to drphill.com 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Log on to join the Dr. Phil community. I'll be reading those message boards.
0: Monday, the woman Shanda Sher was killed over finally speaks out.
2: Her parents say that you are a predator. Did you have a sexual relationship with her?
0: Then, what would you do?
2: If any time you want it stopped, you just tell me and it stops.
0: What would you say? She can come out now. If you were face-to-face with one of the women who murdered your 12-year-old daughter?
2: Why? Why did you do it to her? You doused her with gasoline. While
3: she was begging for my mom. Tell me how somebody does that.
0: And a tearful request.
3: That's the only thing I ask of you.
0: As this mother and daughter lash out at Shanda's killer.
3: You're sick. Dogs don't tear their prey apart the way you all tore her apart.
2: You were there when she was stabbed. You were there when she was lit on fire. Who does this?
0: After 19 years, this family finally gets their answers.
2: Tell us the truth. When she was pleading and begging for her life, what did you see in her eyes? That's Monday. I want to thank all of my guests today. And if you want to donate to the Shanda Scherer Scholarship Fund, that Jackie and her family have set up in honor of Shanda, go to DrPhil.com for more information. I also want to thank Investigation Discovery for allowing us to use a clip from their series, Deadly Women. Thank you. Is there anything either of you want to ask me or say?
3: I do want to tell the parents out there, I like to give parents permission to not give their children privacy. A lot of people don't agree. You know, I tell the parents and I tell the children, you know, when the kids grow up and have their own homes, they can have all the privacy they need. But we as parents need to protect our children. And if you have a feeling something is wrong in your child's life, you have every right to go into that purse, go into those binders, go into those drawers, wherever you think they may be writing or hiding something that you need to know about, you have a right to look at that.
2: I agree completely.
3: We do give our children too much power over us. We've kind of backed away as parents well, and It's not
2: just our, our children as victims, it's also our children as bullies. I mean, these exactly. bullies have parents. How do the parents not know their kids are out there bullying somebody? Because they're not I mean, home. find out what your kid's doing, what they're up to. Exactly. Yeah, you, know, you have to deal with this now with your children. So, you know, they're in, the, they're in that zone. They're in that window that all this is, is relevant. I'm proud to know both of you. Thank you so much. And that we use this to impact other people's lives.